Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So we are now in the second half of our year with Jesus, where we are focusing only solely on the life and the teachings of Jesus. And right now we're in the Gospel of John, and we've walked through the first few chapters together where John has kind of introduced first in chapter one that Jesus is in fact God, that Jesus is the Word of God, the voice of God, the way God is disclosing himself in the world. Jesus is God's self-disclosure project, and then Jesus calls a group of unlikely disciples, and then he starts doing these miracles like turning water into wine and healing folks who have been uh, sick for decades, and he feeds thousands of people with one kid's sack lunch, and um, of course people are taking notice because those are wild miracles. And so Jesus has a whole group of followers, thousands of people are following Jesus around to hear his teaching and to see what kind of miracle he might perform next, and then there's also this large group of, uh, of uh, forces, of the powers uh, of both political and religious that are upset with Jesus because he is kind of upending the systems that they hold power in. And so there are masses of people following Jesus, and there are also folks who want Jesus dead. And then we get to this section in John uh, chapters 7, 8, and 9, where the conversation in, in John in chapter 7, 8, 9 center around this question, who is Jesus? Which is an appropriate question to start asking in the narrative because this is a Jewish rabbi who starts healing the sick and forgiving the sinner and performing miracles and feeding thousands. And so the appropriate question to ask is like, who, who is this? And so the options are kind of get presented that, that maybe Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, or maybe Jesus is the second coming of Moses. Or maybe Jesus is just a crook, a liar who's taking advantage of everyone. But the question is, in this section, who is Jesus? And um, I've known for a few weeks that I was preaching this section of Scripture, and I would be hoping to answer the same question that the earliest followers of Jesus were trying to answer, who is Jesus? And um, I know as a pastor, and as as your pastor, maybe, if you're watching today, that um, I should have like a good or easy answer to that question, who is Jesus? But um, I struggled. I struggled with what to say today. Struggled this week. I shouldn't know exactly what to say. I thought maybe we should do like an in-depth word study on the Messiah, or maybe we should talk about the historical Jesus. Like, how do we know that this guy from Nazareth, this rabbi, really lived two thousand years ago? I had all kinds of things, but I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know what to say, and it felt hard and complicated to me to answer this question. And my rule in preaching, especially, but really in life, is that if I don't know what to say, if I feel really stuck, then I default to all-out honesty. The most honest thing I can come up with, that's what I do. So here's my honest answer. Um, I don't always know what to make of Jesus. I don't know what to do with Jesus. Jesus is so much, he's presented this massive idea, right? Jesus is a, a teacher and a healer and a leader and a revolutionary. And Jesus is compassionate and inclusive and merciful. And Jesus stands in real solidarity with the poor and the suffering. And Jesus is painted in the New Testament as kind of the glue that holds all of creation together, that, that, that through Jesus, all things were created. And that kind of humming beneath the surface of all created things is the love of Christ. And that the, the, the divine part of me and you, 
that that thing that's in us, the real thing, the true thing, kind of the thing behind our eyes, that, that the real you is your Christ consciousness. And that's complicated and beautiful and good. And also, I believe this stuff. I do. But I am not certain about it. And I believe Jesus is God. And also, I don't always believe that 100%. Who is Jesus? Good question. It's a really good question. And uh, lucky for me and for you, Jesus ends up answering this question, at least in part, at least in, in some way, about himself in John chapter 8. And we're going to read it in just a second. But uh, before we do, I want you to know that maybe you're like me today. And uh, if you have no clarity or certainty that it is still worth asking, who is Jesus? And even if you believe and then don't believe and then sort of believe and then believe again and then don't believe and then sort of believe, it is still worth asking, who is Jesus? And so today I want you to know I see you and I'm with you and we're asking together, who is Jesus? So we're going to be in John chapter 8. And um, there are all these questions swirling around Jesus, right? Who is this guy? And every time Jesus teaches, there's like an immediate debate that uh, springs forth as soon as he's done talking. Kind of a line of questioning about whatever thing Jesus just said. And then finally, Jesus makes a claim about himself. This is John chapter 8, verse 12. And this is what Jesus says. You've heard this before. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of the world. This is how Jesus answers the question for himself, uh, who am I? Which, in case you're wondering, uh, that is a wild way to answer. So everyone says you've been healing the sick and doing this amazing teaching. Who are you? And then he says, I'm the light of the world. Like, that's confusing. It is. It is a confusing way to answer that. And you would understand why people are questioning Jesus. And for most of my life, I thought about this claim primarily in terms of um, morality, behavior, and ultimately about sin. Right? The, the dichotomy presented of light and dark, to me, was like sin is darkness and Jesus is light. And if you behave correctly, then you are in the light. And everyone else who doesn't behave correctly or believe correctly or really just agree with me, uh, they're in darkness. Does that sound familiar to you? And I just want to give us a different way to think about it today because surely Jesus is doing something bigger and more beautiful and more important than policing humanity's behavior. Right? It is important for us to answer who is Jesus. And I don't think Jesus is the morality police. I just, I don't think that's what's happening. And so it has to be more than that. And here's the thing about light, right? Jesus says he's the light of the world. Here's the thing about light. You can't really see light, right? You might notice when light is brighter, but you can't really see light because light isn't what we see. Light is how we see. Light enables us to see the world. And so following Jesus then isn't about joining his morality police but rather seeing the whole world through and by the light of Christ. And so for me today, what I want you to hear, as we try to answer together who is Jesus, I want you to hear that Christ is the way in which we see everything. Richard Rohr says it like this, When Christ calls himself the light of the world, he's not telling us to look just at him, but to look out at life with his all-merciful eyes. 
We see him so we can see like him and with the same infinite compassion. The mature Christian sees Christ in everything. The mature Christian sees Christ in everything. The light of Christ enlightens all. We see the world by and through the light of Christ. And for me, what the, that's a big idea, but for me it just means that we get to see the world and know that there is a thing behind the thing. That there is always something good and beautiful and meaningful behind the thing we see. When we look out at the world, we're able to see the real essence, the interconnectedness, the goodness. And not just because of some great hope or potential we think the world or humanity has, but because right now, as we speak, where we stand, our world is full of goodness and beauty and hope. Right? We see the real stuff in everyone and everything. Right? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the way in which I see everything. Uh, a couple of years ago, Katie and Ellis and I had just moved into uh, an, an apartment complex, and uh, the people at the complex were really amazing, and um, they threw a last-minute Halloween party so people could get to know each other a little bit. It was during COVID. Uh, it was a weird time to know people and to make friends. But we went to the party anyway, which is a big deal because a lot of times when you get invited to a party where you don't know anyone, it is really easy to watch Netflix instead. But we went to the Halloween party. And um, because I am uh, Pastor Josh, I ended up in a pretty intense conversation at this Halloween party uh, with a neighbor of mine, and a, fr a friend I didn't know I uh, yet. But I was in this intense conversation and she was telling us about how she had just lost her mom and um, and how her family was handling it. And it was an intense conversation, especially at a party. It was an intense conversation. It was a real conversation though. It was a real conversation about grief and loss and coping. Uh, it was meaningful and it was beautiful. It was all the things. And the whole time while me and this sweet lady are having this really intense, real conversation about grief and loss and coping, like right here, the whole time we're doing that, um, this sweet lady was wearing an inflatable sumo wrestler costume. Maybe you could imagine it. I do not have a photo for you because that felt inappropriate. But maybe you could imagine what an inflatable sumo wrestler costume would look like. And this sweet lady had also had a pencil-thin mustache painted on her face. And so like every two minutes while she was sharing this really intense stuff, shedding tears, I would kind of zoom out and re-see the sumo, co sumo costume that she was wearing and just remember that like what I was hearing was not matching what I was seeing and it was uh, amazing and also hilarious and um, I think for all of us if we're willing to zoom out a little bit then we'll find that most of the time we are all wearing some kind of mask some kind of costume some kind of armor to distract from whatever real thing is happening in our lives Right, we have that invisible wall or some ego that sits between us and everything else. But all of life is actually really full of meaning and truth and beauty, but we just cover it up with some costume. Maybe it's not an inflatable sumo wrestler costume, but you have a costume, a mask you put on to cover up your real, true, beautiful self. Right, it, it might be anger that you mask as confidence. It's insecurity from a childhood wound. We cover up our true 
real selves. And this is the gift of the light of Christ, the way in which we see everything, that we are able to see the world for what it is, good and true and brimming with beauty and meaning. And yeah, sometimes there are some silly costumes in between you and all that beauty. Right? There's pain and there's insecurity and there's a little kid who just wants someone to offer them acceptance and love and security. It's all there all the time. We just need the right light to see it. Right? We need to zoom out. We need to be able to see the thing behind the thing. And Jesus is the way in which we see everything for exactly what it is. No mask, no ego, past all that anger or insecurity we get to see the beauty. And what I, I just want to make sure, just as a clarifying point here, that you hear from me today, that what I'm not saying is, if you follow Jesus, then everything in your world is good and beautiful and easy. That's not it. The world is hard and difficult, painful. The point is that in that pain, in that difficulty, in all those places where we least expect God to be, God is there. And that because of the light of Christ, the power of Christ, the love of Christ, we are able to see all of that pain, all of that difficulty for what it is, a place where God is showing up, a place that can be good and beautiful and meaningful. And so for you, how do you see the world? How do you see the world? If Christ is the way in which we see everything. How do you see the world? Right? Last week, we talked about how we often use this kind of framework to deserving or undeserving. But maybe that's a complicated way of just saying you see the world in black and white and you see it as good and bad. Some things are good and some things are bad. There are good people and there are bad people. There are things God likes and there are things God doesn't like. There are good choices and there are bad choices. End of story. Maybe that's how you see the world, black and white, good and bad. How do you, how do you see the world? And are you able to see Christ in everything? And maybe the way to evaluate this, rather, because that's a big idea. Am I able to? No, I want to. But So maybe the way to evaluate this is just to consider whether there are some things or some people or some places in your life that you are objectively not able to see through the light of Christ. Right? Maybe there's a relationship or a person or a situation or a political party. And then it's helpful to name it to name it and say, yeah, that's not a thing I'm finding any goodness in. Just name it. And then zoom out far enough to find, just keep zooming out until you find some inherent dignity and worth. And it doesn't mean excusing uh, toxic or harmful behavior. It doesn't mean you can't set appropriate boundaries. But can you look at people or a group of people or a situation and see the real thing behind the thing? Can you see the fear that people have? Can you see their insecurity? Can you see the security and acceptance that they're seeking? Can you see the real thing behind the thing? Behind the costume? Behind the mask? Can you see it? Can you zoom out far enough to see it? And then what would it look like for you to view your world through the light of Christ? To keep doing that, right? It's, I think for most of us, we just need to look long enough. We need to look long enough. Right? At whatever that idea is, whatever that group of people, that person, we look away too quickly. 
We need to go back to that group of people that were, that it's hard for us to see Christ in them. And we need to look long enough and not look away. Because if you do, if you look long enough, you will find humanity and you will find Christ. It's one of the reasons uh, we're going on the 29th, on Saturday the 29th, to Restoring Justice. Um, because we need to look at the criminal justice system, at mass incarceration, about what we can do as a community to participate. And we need to look long enough to see the humanity. We need to look long enough to find the dignity. We need to look long enough to see the inherent worth in people. And so whatever it is for you, whatever you've named as, yeah, I, I find no goodness or godness there, keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking long enough until you find dignity and worth. And so today, as I try to answer who is Jesus, I'm just sticking with this. Jesus is the light of the world. He said it, not me. And Jesus is the way in which we see everything. Uh, my work in, uh, in pastoral ministry uh, over the last you know, 10 years, walking alongside all kinds of people, has taught me that most of us, most of us, most of the time, uh, we want to see the world as good, as lovely, as full of hope and goodness and meaning. We want to. We at least want to do that. Maybe, maybe we're not accomplishing it, but we want to see the world as good. And we want to look out at the world with compassion, with mercy. We want that. But what we really struggle to do is to look inward and see ourselves as good, and to look inward with any kind of compassion or mercy. Right? We don't often see all of our own goodness and beauty. And we kind of like those dichotomies of good or bad. And we kind of maybe want this passage to be about uh, policing morality. We want it to be about good behavior because then maybe we would know what the right thing is to do and then if we did it, maybe someone would pat us on the back and say we were good. And surely, definitely, this idea of seeing the world through the light of Christ, surely it should inform how we see ourselves, that we can see ourselves without that mask or that ego that we can see our true, beautiful, worthy self by and through the light of Christ. Because, you know, Jesus takes it even further. In Matthew chapter 5, he doesn't just say, I'm the light of the world. In Matthew 5, he says, you, we are the light of the world. That we have that divine spark. That the resurrection power lives in us, is what Paul says. That if, if Christ is God's self-disclosure project, we should remember that we are also made in the image of God. We are the light of the world. And so listen to me today, gather. Just hear me as we end today. Christ is not light years away, far and distant. Rather, Christ is in every cell of your star-born body. You carry a divine spark. You, right now, wherever you are, you are inherent goodness and worth and beauty. Gather, you are good. You are good. You are good. Not because of your good Christian behavior, not because you know all the right answers, not because of some kind of mask or identity or silly costume, costume you wear in this world. You are just good. Deep down, your true self, you are good. You are the light of the world. And no matter what any angry preacher has told you, or has told your mean uncle to tell you, you are good. No matter your race, your gender, your sexuality, your nationality, or your personality, 
the light of Christ enlightens all. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. God, help us to believe the truth about ourselves, no matter how beautiful it is. And help us to see the truth of our world, all the goodness and all the godness. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.